Oh, are you Muslim? Like say Alhamdulillah. So does that mean you're Islamic? You must memorize the Quran. Wait, so you don't drink? Make sure you wake up for Fajr. Are you going to marry your cousin? Don't say that. That's haram. Not even tighten your hijab. What about pepper? What about your camel? What happens if he sees your ankle? It's kind of like we're stuck between two worlds. Welcome, my friends, to Muslim in the Middle. My name is Yaz, and this podcast is all about what it means to live an Islamic life in the West, the joys, the struggles, and everything in between. Now, it is a pleasure to have you join us today, so let's dive right in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and what's up guys welcome to episode one the first official episode of Muslim in the Middle I hope you're all doing well inshallah you know I've actually uh, been receiving a couple of your stories um, and they're fantastic it's really great to see you all you know sharing your experiences and stuff it, it means a lot that you guys have been so receptive uh, to the podcast and everything so please uh, keep them coming uh, remember, it's info at musliminthemiddle.com. Um, you know, the community is already starting to grow, uh, which is just a beautiful thing. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'll be choosing a few of those emails to discuss in the next few episodes. So um, stay tuned. Now, today I wanted to talk about uh, social experiences and social circles as a, as a Muslim in the West. Now, because there's so much ground to cover on this topic, uh, I won't be able to fit it all. I won't be able to fit everything into one episode. I mean, I could. But the episode will probably just go for like an hour or something, and and maybe that's fine, but um, I want to keep the episodes to around a 20-minute duration, 30 minutes max. Um, But, you know, I guess it it depends too on what the community wants. So any feedback that I get from you guys, from the listeners, um, I'll do my best to implement. So if you want longer episodes moving forward, email me at info at musliminthemiddle.com. Comment on one of my social posts. You could uh, DM me. Uh, leave a rating and review, (laughs) you know, whatever you like. I'll try to tailor uh, the content as best I can. Um, Anyway, so my point is that because there's such a wealth of content to cover on this topic, um, in this episode, I want to talk more specifically about, you know, my earlier social experiences, like up to the point of 18 years old, and how that related to my practice of Islam. And inshallah, in another episode, I'll talk in more detail about how my social experiences from like the ages of, say, 18 to 30 impacted my uh, Islamic practice and and views. Okay, so I want to make something clear here. Um, I know that there are a lot of Muslims in, say, uh, Sydney, Australia, that live amongst other Muslims, right? Like I mentioned this in the intro episode, um, that in Sydney, there's a certain region or a collection of suburbs that for the most part is dominated by Muslims. Um, And so there's there's tons of families that live in those areas. They work in those areas. They socialize in those areas. Um, Their entire life exists within that kind of bubble, so to speak. So they don't really venture out a lot because they don't really need to. I mean, everything they want and everything they need and everybody they know and love is in that region. So for them, you know, for the Muslims born and raised in those areas, I mean, I imagine their experience has been somewhat different to mine. I mean, they, they grew up in around, you know, an Islamic community. And despite living in Australia... They still had that heavy religious and cultural influence and experience that may be typical of, say, a Muslim-dominated country, right? Whereas, like I said, aside from my family, 
Um, I grew up around a lot of non-Muslims, and so that non-Islamic influence was pretty heavy in my life, and I was often torn between those two worlds. And I'm willing to bet that there's a few of you out there like that as well. Um, So having said that, I think as a kid, like before you become a teenager, the social activities that you, you you have with your friends are relatively innocent. I guess that's probably... I guess that's probably the right word. Um, I mean that whatever you do with your friends at that age, it's probably not in disalignment with Islamic values. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do with your friends at that age? You go to each other's houses, you play video games, you kick a ball around, go to the movies, um, you know, all kinds of activities that aren't really in contrast with Islam in any way. I mean, at that age, there might not be a ton of variance cross-culturally or across faiths and religions and stuff, you know? Um, but in saying that, I feel like the younger you are, the more you just want to fit in, right? And I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, I think, but, um, it's, it's like no kid wants to be different. You know, you just want to have, you want to have what your friends have and you want to do whatever your friends are doing. And now at this age, uh, although I wasn't praying or fasting yet or anything like that, my only real experience of Islam was practices like saying Bismillah before eating, and alhamdulillah, after eating, uh, keeping away from ham, pork, and bacon. Um, and But beyond that, I guess, anything else was mostly just observing my parents' practice. You know? Like, so, you know, I see my dad get home from work and praying Maghrib and Isha night after night. Seeing my parents fast during Ramadan and break their fast every night with water, uh, dates, and soup. Um, going to the mosque and, you know, watching my dad pray and just trying to follow his movements. You know, do exactly what he does. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, oh yeah. And we go out to a restaurant and the waiter comes around and asks, will you be having any wine tonight? And my parents say no before the guy could even finish his question. (laughs) He's like, wow, you guys seem very sure about that. Um, so he removes the wine glasses from our table, but just elementary things like that. You know what I mean? But like I said, I mean, I grew up around white kids and whenever I went over to friends' houses and stuff, religious things like that never really came up. Um, but actually in, in saying that I, I was usually the one to go to my friend's house rather than them coming over to mine. And it, look, it might sound a little weird to say, and obviously when I think back now, I'm like, you're an idiot. Like what was the problem? But honestly, at the time, I think I was a little embarrassed or something. I think, I mean, again, looking back, it's, it's, it's not like my house was so obviously Muslim or Islamic in any way, you know, it wasn't such a obvious Muslim household. You know, the decor was actually quite non-assuming. It was transcendent of any religion or faith, I guess. But, you know, when you're a kid, you just kind of blow everything out of proportion. So in my head, I'm like, oh, fire out. This is so embarrassing. When my friend comes over, he's going to be weirded out um, and, and all that. So I'd rather just go to theirs. And that pretty much, you know, that's pretty much what ended up happening. My friends would usually just call and invite me over because I never called. <laughs> I never invited them over. It's kind of like I'm playing hard to get or something. It's so stupid. Anyway, so, yeah, so... When I went to their houses, religion and, and things like that, they never really came up. Unless, of course, you know, when you're at your friend's house um, and your friend's parents are going to get pizza for all the kids. or And for most of your friends, their immediate choice is like meat lovers or Hawaiian or something. And you've got to be that annoying kid that's like, like um, actually, I can't eat ham or pepperoni or anything. So can you order a cheese if you're a vegetarian for me? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, and then the, the pizza gets there and then your friends raid your pizza anyway. And so you end up with like two or three slices by the end of it. Oh, man. Oh, the pain. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess my Islamic values and my practice and stuff, it only began to intertwine with my, my social experiences as I became a little bit older. You know, that's when things started to shift. 
So when I started high school, I was a lost soul, man. I mean, I literally, I literally bounced from click to click trying to find my place um, until eventually I landed on a group of mates that I felt to, you know, were somewhat relatable and to whom I felt somewhat connected. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, like for the first like four years of high school, I mean, all the white kids are going to parties and stuff and from like 13 or 14 years old. And I swear their parents are already letting them have like a sneaky snip of, uh, of alcohol every now and then. And so obviously I'm not going to those kinds of parties, um, but that's for two reasons, I guess. Firstly, I'm a Muslim. And even though my parents wouldn't have known what was going on at those kinds of parties, they were sort of, you know, blissfully ignorant to that kind of thing. Um, I definitely knew what was going on and I just wasn't that kind of kid that could rebel. You know what I mean? I mean, I always kind of kept myself in check like that. I don't know why. I think I was just an anxious kid. <laughs> and secondly, um, you know, even if I wanted to go to those parties, I don't think that, I don't think I would have been invited. <laughs> I mean, those parties were for the cool kids and I was kind of a dork, dude. I mean, you know, definitely not part of the more popular groups, you know. So anyway, the, the kinds of parties or hangouts that I'm going to are, are more just like mellow video games, sports, public parks with like pizza and soda drinks and candy and stuff. Nothing really like, you know, crazy or, or untoward or whatever. But even then I was a shy kid. And, um, and I definitely had some trouble coming out of my shell. So yeah, like if I wasn't hanging out with my friends, uh, on the weekend, I was just at home with my family, right. Maybe hanging out with my siblings or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, I, like I said, as I moved through high school, I guess I hung out or I like, you know, I gravitated towards different groups, just trying to find the right click for me or whatever, you know? And, and, and that's not, I don't think that's unique to Muslims or anything. I mean, that's obviously just part of growing up, but part of being a teenager and all that sort of stuff and, and discovering your identity and, you know, what kind of person you want to be and everything. Um, but eventually, yeah, eventually I kind of just landed on this group of, uh, on this group of brown guys. <laughs> and again, this isn't so much a religious thing more than it is just cultural. I mean, like, I think it's pretty normal if you're a brown kid, right? And maybe you're hanging out with a bunch of white kids and for whatever reason, you're just feeling a little bit different. I think that's relatively normal. Um, and then you start, you know, as I said, you start moving towards friendship groups with whom you can relate to in some way. Um, and that could be related to shared hobbies and interests, shared personalities, or, you know, I guess in my case, shared cultures, right? I mean, this group um, that I'm talking about with whom I'm, I'm still friends with today, um, it's mostly a, a group of Indian, Pakistani, Sri Lankan guys who either followed like a Hindu or Buddhism faith. Um, and yes, although that's a different religion, um, there's definitely shared aspects of the culture, which you know, I won't really delve into right now, but you get the point. So I, I will say this though, that even then, um, and this was like 15 or 16 years ago, which I, I genuinely do believe was a different time um, to now in terms of like cross-cultural and religious awareness. Um, that group of friends that I had back then and, and now, back then they were very understanding of my religion. I mean, sure, they asked questions and they had a general curiosity about some things that and all that, but, but, but I did feel like I could be quite open with them and not as reserved or apprehensive to share details about my religion and my faith and my lifestyle and stuff. Whereas I think just straight Australian culture, again, I'm saying back then, there may not have been as much awareness or understanding of these sorts of issues. So, you know, before meeting this group, I didn't really share too much with anyone else about my Islamic beliefs and stuff. Certainly not any like, you know, Caucasians or Christians or anything. So one of the things actually that I do want to talk about briefly is that one of the guys in that group, um, again, he's still a good friend of mine today, um, a Pakistani kid. We actually hit it right off the bat, um, hit it off right off the bat. And, and because he, 
he actually is Muslim. And at that point, I don't think I'd ever met another Muslim at school. <laughs> so boom, right there. I was just like, okay, we're going to be best mates. Um, and seriously, to this day, we're still friends. And yet we're very different people in terms of our hobbies and our personality and stuff. But because back then, I think we were both so used to growing up around a different crowd of people, like other non-Muslims and stuff. And yes, I mean, some of you might be thinking, well, it's not that big a deal. God, you could be friends with people from other religions, like far out, relax. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, that's absolutely true. But when your family life is different in that way, you know, religiously and culturally from everybody else in your life, as a kid, you're kind of like starving for that continuity. You know what I mean? That consistency, or, or at least I was back then. And so when you finally meet someone who you can relate to on that same level, um, and you, it's like you struck gold, right? I mean, you hold on to that person, that friendship or whatever, and you never let go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that's what I mean. But, um, like, let me put it this way, right? As a kid, you spend, like, what, six to eight hours a day at school, right? So, that right there makes up a huge portion of the day. I mean, the only other group of people that you spend as much time with around the, as the kids at school is your family at home, right? So, it's, it might seem like a trivial thing, but if you go to the mosque with your dad on the weekend or something, or you're fasting Ramadan and you go to school and you're telling a bunch of non-Muslim kids about these things, none of them can relate, right? I mean, especially especially kids, right? It's like nobody cares, <laughs> you know? But then you find a Muslim friend. And like I said, you're literally dissimilar in every other way, different hobbies and personality and stuff. But you can go to school, you can see him and be like, oh yeah, you know, fifth day of Ramadan, you know, whatever, how you holding up? Yeah, all right, man. You know, my mouth is dry as hell and I'm starving. What about you? Yeah, man, I feel the same here. I have the weirdest craving for donuts right now. I don't know why. Oh, man, that would be amazing, eh? A box of Krispy Kremes right now. That would go down so well. Yeah, far out though, man. My breath reeks. I'm like trying not to get too close to anyone's face when I'm speaking to them because I don't want them to notice that I'm thinking I don't brush my teeth or anything. It's the, oh, yeah, I reckon it's the worst, eh? <laughs> you get the point, you know what I mean? So it's it's nice to have a conversation with someone that, can relate to your experiences. And um, and that's what I found in this friend of mine, okay? And he was kind of like me in that he was just a brown Muslim kid and um, he was hanging out with a bunch of white, I guess, Christian or Catholic or maybe atheist kids. And again, it, it you know, might not seem like a huge deal, but I think he always felt a little different. And then we became part of the same friendship group, a bunch of brown kids. And that sort of that definitely helps you come to terms with your identity in a way. At least it did for me. Um, but I guess you know beyond that friendship, where I still struggled is, which isn't something that seemed to bother this friend of mine that I'm talking about, um, is that I was the only Middle East <laughs> in a group of South Asians. Now at this point you're probably thinking, well, far out, man. Relax. You can't have it all. At this point you're just picking things to be a victim about. <laughs> And, uh, and I get it. Look, it might, it might seem like it wasn't that huge, uh, that big of a deal. But to me, I don't know, it was. You're sort of taught by your family that you're Muslim. And you're taught that it's, it's a big part of your identity and who you are. So it's nice to have friends who are a part of the same ethnicity and culture and stuff. As well as the same religion, right? Which, um, and which brings me to one of my closest friends in the world, with whom I've been friends with from you know the time that I was like one year old to this very day. And that's my cousin. Um, I know a lot of you listening can relate to this because sometimes your best friends are actually family, like extended family, you know, cousins and even uncles and aunties who are in the same age bracket and whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah, so my cousin, he's um, he's one year younger than me. And we, li- we literally grew up together, practically side by side. 
I mean, our parents were siblings and okay, what I mean by that is before you get, before you get the wrong idea is that my dad um, is his dad's brother and my mum is his mum's sister, right? So we're like doubly related, right? And obviously super close. Um, so we practically hung out like every weekend. And if there's anyone that can relate to me on that same level, anyone that I share that kind of cultural connection with, it's him because we had incredibly similar similar cultural and religious experiences. And because of that, we're tight as hell to this day, right? But, you know, growing up, he lived like a half an hour away and we went to different schools and stuff. So I guess what I craved was just having a group of friends at school just like that. You know, Middle Eastern Muslims who also had the similar personalities and interests and hobbies and stuff. Man, that would have been great, but I don't know, that's not something I ever found to this day. Oh, poor Yaz. <laughs> I'm not throwing myself a pity buddy. I'm just saying. Um, But I do reckon there's a ton of people out there that can relate to this. So I thought it would be helpful to talk about, you know, because, you know, think about it. I mean, although we were super close, I only saw him like once a week and, and, you know, your teenage years, those are very formative years. I mean, I I had this, this best friend from primary school and we went to different high schools. So within six months of starting high school, our friendship just died. I guess my point is that the impact people have on your life is often dictated by how much time you spend with them. So I was only seeing my cousin on the weekends and stuff, and yet I was hanging out with a different group of friends during the week. So I guess I still craved a group of friends with whom I felt more connected to, if that makes sense. Far out, man. Listen to me. I was the most neurotic teenager ever. <laughs> but if you're hearing this experience and uh, and you've gone through something similar, hats off to you, my friend. I know the struggle. I know the struggle, but um, look, on the flip side, you know, I'm sure there's Muslims out there who, again, who grew up around a community of other Muslims, maybe even went to an Islamic school. And so their social experience was vastly different. And look, it's not like I I never hung out with other Muslim kids. Like I did know a few in my life, right? Like if my parents had invited over some obscure family friends uh, with whom, you know, or like that we only saw like a couple of times a year for like Eid and and stuff like that. (laughs) But again, because I was basically like, for lack of a better term, whitewashed. I mean, seriously, I just felt like a white kid in a brown body at times. So when I met these family friends who usually lived amongst Muslim communities, like far away from where we were, it was just weird and awkward. I mean, again, you guys are probably thinking, well, isn't that what you said you wanted? It's like, far out, why are you so picky? (laughs) Um, And I guess I didn't really realize it at the time because I wasn't, you know, mature enough emotionally and cognitively to get a grasp on my mental health and these sort of social issues that I was experiencing. But anyway, you look at it, I, I, I was never quite fully satisfied with my social circle, if that makes sense. So here's the rundown one more time. Just You probably don't even care, but at this point, I'll just tell you. High school friends, all brown guys like me, but most were a different, different ethnicity and different religion. Okay, fine. Family friends, same ethnicity um, and religion but different cultural experience and personalities. Okay, fine. My cousin, same ethnicity, same religion, same cultural experience, but different school and different suburbs, so I couldn't see him often enough. (laughs) Just couldn't catch a break, man. I don't know. But man, alhamdulillah, you know, after all that, um, no, it really wasn't that bad. I still had a great group of friends in high school. um, And in all fairness, you know, irrespective of culture and religion and all that, my high school friends, for instance, um, they're a great bunch. Some of the best people that I've ever met in my life. You know, they're smart, they're charismatic, they're kind, fiercely, fiercely loyal. Um, so I can't complain in that regard. They're, um, they're a good, good bunch of people. So 
Now, look, why am I telling you all this? Okay, like, what do you care about who I hang out with? (laughs) I'm sharing this because I think about, when I think about why it took me so long to embrace my deen and become a more practicing Muslim day to day, I realized that that was a huge factor in the delay of all that, that my social circle, right? Once again, if you're Muslim and you're surrounded by other Muslims in all aspects of your life, Muslim family, Muslim friends, Muslim teachers, an Islamic school even, all that, that's going to influence how you perceive Islam and how you adopt its practice. I mean, it's one thing to have parents that are trying to encourage you to practice Islam properly. But if you have friends who are praying five times a day, who are fasting properly during Ramadan and things like that, then chances are you're going to be much more willing to embrace this lifestyle as well. But for me, it was my parents, and that's pretty much it. And when you're a kid and your parents are on your case about the fact that you need to start praying properly or doing this and that, I mean, there's just there's a high likelihood that you're going to reject it or ignore it or whatever. You know, because you go to school and you hang out with your friends or whatever, and none of them are like, none of them are doing the things that your parents want you to do. So then it's like, why why do you bother? That's what you think to yourself as a kid. And when you're a teenager, you know, your peers become such a heavy influence in your life. I mean, your your parents are the the main role models for for much of your life until you become a teen. And then the, the balance sort of shifts and, you know, your friends become such a dominant force in your life. I mean, everything you do starts to become about fitting in and impressing your social circle and all that. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's why it took me such a long time to truly embrace Islam and my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so, yeah, dude, uh, like I said, at the start of this episode, everything I've talked about, all my experiences and stuff, this is all up to the point of age 18, okay? Like, there's still an entire decade of social experiences that had a very heavy impact um, on how and when I turned to Islam um, in more depth, but I think for the time being, that's enough therapy for this episode. <laughs> you guys are such great listeners, um, but seriously, I do hope that there's some of you out there that can relate to this and find some value and solace and peace in the fact that you're not the only one out there who has this kind of experience. Um, like I've said, there's so many different versions of the Muslim experience in the West, but if yours is as whitewashed as mine, <laughs> then hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Um, I would like to get to a stage where I'm actually providing tips on how to navigate or deal with these sorts of issues rather than simply recounting my experience. But I think for the time being, because these are just the first few episodes, um, I figured I'd just clue you all in on my life and, you know, how things panned out for me. So before we finish up, guys, a few quick reminders. Uh, First, info at musliminthemiddle.com. Please send through all your stories, your experiences, anything that you want to share that you think other Western Muslims can relate to or benefit from. Uh, Remember, we want to build a community here, so feel free. You know, you can tell us your name, you can keep it anonymous. It's completely up to you. Um, And second, if you're enjoying the show so far, if you're liking the content and you want to see more, please let me know with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get on that new and noteworthy list so that more people can you know, find the show and ultimately find some value and benefit from it. And uh, and third, hit the subscribe button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. And uh, lastly, visit the website, uh, musliminthemiddle.com um, and hit the donation link, uh, pledge at least a dollar a month, right? I mean, I spoke about this in the last episode. Chances are, if you're listening to this on a smart device, you can probably afford a dollar a month donation, but I don't want to make assumptions. If you're already donating your money elsewhere, um, a labatic fig, that's awesome. 
um, keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to be part of the community, you want to contribute to something greater, then please head over to the website and hit that donation link. It'll take you to the GoFundMe. Um, and also you can subscribe to the monthly newsletter newsletter on the website as well. <laughs> That's it. No more plugs. Brothers, sisters, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'll see you all in episode two. Uh, and until then, Allah ma'akum, all the best. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And see ya. Thank you.